Hey there, I'm Stan Baker, and I'm one of your hosts for Circle Forum, our podcast this week, along with Shelley Steele and Steve Young. And we're going to be talking this week about restorative leadership. And maybe you've heard or maybe you've expressed that feeling of, I wish that other people would be doing this, or I wish that I had support from my principal on this. And we're going to be talking about that topic, how do you influence others to take up restorative practices. And what's interesting to me in this conversation is that it's about focus and invitation. Focus on what you can impact, who you can impact, and invitation. Inviting others, your colleagues, your boss, into the circles that you're working on. And I think it's important to talk about this because it can get very frustrating to get stuck on, well, nobody else seems to be doing this, or my boss doesn't support me in this. And our conversation really goes to what you can actually do. And here are a couple of key ideas and thoughts that just to give you a bit of a heads up what's coming. First off, model it. Secondly, invite a colleague in. Thirdly, invite your boss in, the person who's the positional leader, and they can see so that they can see what's going on. At the end of this podcast, you can visit our website at www.restorative.ca, our website www.circleforum.ca, subscribe on YouTube. Now, let's tune in to the conversation with Shelley, Steve, and me, Stan. Welcome to our podcast again this week, and a question that keeps coming up for us in our trainings is... How can I get other people interested in restorative practice, in restorative leadership? Yeah, that that's questions come up in many different forms in, in a lot of our trainings, but in lately we've been doing some training and we're hearing a lot of those questions. And I think the motivation is that people embrace it. They like it. They, they hear about it. They say, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do this, or they have been doing it for a while, but they can't get anybody else involved. How do I get other staff members on board with this? Because it works for me but they don't seem to want to like, what, what can I do about it? Or how can I get the whole school involved in this? I think it's greater. My two or three of my colleagues, we went to a workshop. We think it's great, but how do we get the administration to buy in or how can we get the board to buy in? So people are trying to figure out how do I get other people into this process? Because I think they're invested in it and they like it, but you know, it, it it's in many different formats. They're asking that question, but I don't know that I have all the answers to that, but I do have some suggestions perhaps. Shelley, what do you think? Yeah, when I when I was thinking about that question, I, I started to break it down because depending on your position in a school, and I think that's where we're hearing it recently in our trainings, there are people that get it, love it, see the value of it, but maybe are not in the position to say, okay, let's we're gonna make a committee to to move this forward. So that's where the questioning comes up. How how can we move this forward? Um and so I started to think about that and, and I was often in that position where I wasn't the one that would say, let's strike a committee on this and it'll be all these people from different positions. So how do you move something forward um, if you aren't in that position? And I think, and we've talked about this before, it's, it's personally, me as a professional, how am I going to interact in the school? How am I going to model what I'm learning and I believe in so that people are watching it, seeing it, hearing it? Um, and feeling it, uh, you know, without having it being formally put in place yet. 
Well, let's let's be honest. A school board and a school is a hierarchical institution, and the structures, the power structures, are top down. And some of the people that we're talking with are not not necessarily at the top of the structure, right? They're uh, a little further down, and so the question becomes: How do how do you? And it sounds awful to put it this way, but how do you lead from the bottom of the stack? You know, like the yurtle, the turtle kind of thing. Like, how do you how do you lead? and may affect change when you don't necessarily have the, the power within the system to make those kinds of changes. But what we do know is initiatives or groundswell from the, the bottom up is often the stuff that sticks and that grows into something more. When it's fed top down or done to, as we, we talk about, that is not the stuff that sticks. Um, it's when people are starting to see a different way of interacting or feeling that difference or a different way to carry out their practice that they're already doing. That carries on long after the training has happened, as we've experienced, right? When we've done restorative practice training with teachers, those that have integrated it into their classrooms they're still doing it 10, 15 years later, become it's become part of their practice for sure. So yeah, it's how do you keep, keep that groundswell going to hopefully move it on to other structures? And to build on what you're saying, Michelle, you're right. The, the teachers that do implement it in the classrooms and do it because they just know that's, to them, that's the way a classroom should be run. That's the way I want to work with the children that I've got. Um, you know, maybe they're the only one in their building that are doing it, but you know, things may start to stand out a bit. You know, Gee, I'm not getting any, you know, as a principal, I never get any referrals from Mrs. So-and-so's class. I never get anybody sent to the office. They, they, what is their classroom management going on? Because they, they're doing something here that's different than the other teachers. Maybe I better go have a look or maybe I better talk to them. And ultimately, that's how you maybe get noticed on that hierarchical level that you're having an effect on a group of kids that nobody else seems to be having a, that same effect. People will start to notice those changes. And so, and it could be other teachers. It could be, geez, I get that. I get your kids every day and they're great, but my class is terrible. What, what do you do with your kids? Because in a lot of elementary schools, obviously everywhere, um, the kids will rotate or they'll get different teachers through the day. And it doesn't matter whether it's kindergarten or, or what, There's, there'll be other teachers that come in and they will notice that class A is totally different than class B. What's going on in class A that's different? And so the people will start to notice. And once they start to notice, they may be curious. And that may start that chain up, up the hierarchical ladder of, you know, we need to do things differently. But I was going to say, when we talk about hierarchy, one of the things that, that I've, a, a phrase that I, I've heard coined and I use it quite often is called flattening the hierarchy, which is to take that pyramid and squish it down so that the top and the bottom aren't that far apart. And that's fair process. That's involving people in conversations and topics. And you may be the principal and you're at the top of the pyramid within that school, but you're just one other person around that table for those conversations. So in effect, you're flattening that hierarchy for decision-making, for conversations, for professional development, whatever the, the reason is for getting people together. So the more we can flatten the hierarchy, the more those good stories or those good practices will start to work their way to the, the the people up above them and i was thinking as we're talking about this too i was thinking that really there's a deep longing in all of us for belonging right we want to be part of a team we want to have a voice so that people are actually listening to what we're talking about 
and we want to have agency, the ability to be able to act on this. Like, and sort of just kind of describe what restorative practices is <laughs> that belonging voice and agency that we need as adults as well. And so here's a real opportunity for restorative leadership to create situations, like you say, flattening the, the hierarchy. But I mean, just moving into a circle uh, suddenly does that. Uh, there does have to be a certain amount of hierarchy in it within a building. I, I get that. However, it's a real opportunity for restorative leadership when somebody says, oh man, how could we get more people to do this? All right, well, let's sit down and talk about what, what are you thinking, right? Yeah, the other piece I was thinking as Steve was talking there was that, you know, if I've been asked to attend a training by my board or by my school, then I'm already positioned to go back and say, hey, I just heard some great stuff, or maybe there was another administrator or teacher there from your school. What are we going to do with this? So, you know, you, they've sent you to go and hear about something and learn about something. So you're already in the position to be able to go in and say, okay, what are the next steps and how do I fit into that? Yeah. And, and each of us, go ahead, Steve. I was going to say, you know, many years ago in York Region, and over the, the, the time I was with them, we had different sort of approaches to training for restorative practice and who was going to get trained and how we're going to do it. And for many years, one of our models was a school team approach that school teams would sign up, one of whom had to be an administrator and you had to bring a team of at least five people. And the idea being that if an administrator and four, four other people came, it could be CYWs or classroom teachers, whatever. If you've got five people or more trained that are going back and through those five people will have a greater impact than one or than maybe one right. teacher who or a CYW who came back all in zoos, but the administration's not on board. So there was that idea that we need to get more people in that initial training because a group has a greater power than an individual. And I'm hearing from different perspectives as well, right? From different perspectives of background. Exactly. Now each of each of us have been in board positions where we've been part of affecting a change restorative practice being one of the things that we've been involved in. Any things that come out of our practice that you say, hey, now this was something because it was an idea that I thought was really great. And now we're getting it out to a school or a system. Some things that you did, some real practical things that we can help others when they're talking to their colleagues, talking about restorative practices, talking about restorative practices and attendance. I think... Um recognizing and we've been spending more time talking about this that everybody does have a role so whatever that is that you want to affect change on it you have to it's that sense of belonging again i come to this building every day to work and they're all working on this stuff but where do i fit into this stuff because it, it you know it's a, maybe a language i'm not used to using but I do have a role to play here and so if everybody has a feeling of belonging in that then then you are going to affect change more. So it's it's not just looking to the staff that you always train, perhaps, you know, and remember that others have great a great role and stuff. I've often found that for the, for some people, they're reluctant to change because they're not quite sure what it's going to do. Right. They're not, and so when somebody says, oh, restorative practice, they well, I know I can go to that. They need to see it. And so I've often said to teachers who are enthusiastic or principals who are enthusiastic, invite people in to watch. If you can invite that person who's on the fence, who's not quite sure, in to watch you do a class circle or invite them as an administrator, invite the teacher into the, the session you're having with a group of students to try and solve what happened in the yard. And they can see how you 
function, um, then they're more likely to say, gee, that kind of worked. I should, I might want to try that. And so, you know, we, we did a podcast not too long ago with, with a teacher that I worked with in the school who came to me and said, I really need to figure out what's going on in my class. I want to do restorative circles. And she wasn't quite sure. So I went in and modeled them and she saw it. But one of the, the, the nifty things about that, and I think we talked about it in the podcast, is that one day she was away. And so another teacher who was from the school happened to be in the class that day when I went in to run the class circle. She'd never seen a class circle before and was quite a bit skeptical, I'll be honest, because she had taught that same group of kids all year. But she sat there and after she said, this is great. I never thought this would work with this group of kids. So simply by seeing it happen, it changes people's perceptions. They think, maybe I should try this. And that's how you slowly spread the word or slowly change people over. And I, so I always say, just invite people in to watch. It's, it's not going to cost them anything other than their time. I like that approach. And one of the things that I did was I would simply ask for permission to try something a little different. Yeah. So when we're going to have this meeting, is it okay if I start with the parent first? Just that, just that makes a huge difference. Or before a meeting um, to say, look, we know that there are going to be things that the family says about the school. I don't want you to react. Don't get defensive. Just listen. So just so preparation. And uh, what started happening is I would just do this wherever I encountered some type of conflict. I was dealing with a lot of behavior students and there was lots of room for conflict between behavior students and parents in the school. And I, I would simply ask, are you okay with, are you open to trying this? And then invite them into the conversation. Well, and I've often told the story, and I think I just put it in my book about the, the time I did a, a restorative workshop, a restorative conference with a group of boys uh, who had some issues. And it happened to be the new, day the new superintendent was popped into the school and said, I'm, I'm the new superintendent. I'm just going school to school to meet everybody. I said, well, I got to meet with these boys over an issue. Do you want to come with me? And so I invited him in and he sat there for an hour while I did a, you know, a circle with this group of six boys who'd had an issue. And he, he didn't say anything. He didn't ask any questions. He just watched. But afterwards he was sold. He said, boy, I, I can see what, what you're trying to do here. And he was sold on the concept. And so Right away, I've got my superintendent supporting me from the top only because I invited him in to watch a circle. That sometimes that's all you need to do is invite people in and say, okay, you're, you're, you're a naysayer. You don't think this will work? Fine. Why don't you come in and watch? See what you think. Because we've often said, especially in, in criminal cases and whatnot in your spiritual justice world, you don't know how effective it is until you've had to work your way through it. And then they come out and go, oh, goodness, that was tough. That's effective though. I really like that. So they got to experience it. Yeah. So what about lead, lead where you stand? Shelly, that's a big metric. Lead thing. from where you stand. Thank you. Lead, Shelly, what about, what about the, the mantra, the mantra, mantra? Is it mantra, mantra. or mantra? Sure. The mantra. What, what about, Shelly, what about the expression lead from where you stand? Yeah, it's always, and it's not mine, but it was something in a leadership training probably 15, almost 20 years ago, but it really stuck with me because I do believe that we all can lead from where we stand. We may not be the decision maker, but we can lead, whether that's students, whether that's other staff, whether it's just how you want to carry yourself in life. So leading from where you stand, demonstrate, have others experience and uh, watch what you're doing. 
And I know that every one of us would like to have that system-wide impact, you know, where all the school boards in the province model what we just discovered as a board to do. And really, I think it's probably helpful to take that starfish approach, you know, like the boy mm -hmm. with the starfish on the beach and, and focus our attention on the students that we can impact focus our attention on the workplace that we can make a difference in and then really work at that and that 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 becomes where we get that sense of belonging that becomes where we get that sense of uh, of purpose, purpose mm -hmm. as well I totally agree i think a lot of people get discouraged over the years i've heard people discouraged about restorative practice because they can't get the school on board or the principal doesn't buy into it or the you know the principal moves and now we get a new one and yeah do what you can do in your own small corner and if it means affecting the life of one kid or one group of kids in one class, then you're doing some good work. And ultimately you'll feel better about the work you're doing. You don't have to change the whole world for it to be effective. No, and then celebrate the successes. Like when, when things do work, celebrate that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, and celebrate that with somebody else that understands that you've, this is actually a big deal. It doesn't look very big, but this individual has now come to school, uh, you know, seven out of 10 of the last days, whereas before it was only three. And look at this. This is phenomenal. And I mean, that's what we do in the classroom, too. We're looking for those small incremental steps. And we want to be able to celebrate those with the students, with the parents, and uh, just celebrate those relationships that we've built, right? One thought that comes to mind, my mind is with doing restorative practices as the board, there was a significant shift when the director said, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. And when the director made the time available for all the principals, the vice principals to learn about restorative practice, that was the pivotal, uh, the pivotal change um, with the senior leader making that kind of decision. And so if you can look for who is kind of the, the, has the position leadership in it could be in a particular classroom if you're in a special needs class if it's the teacher that's the pivotal person to make that decision to make sure that that person is on board if it's in the school the vice principal or the principal to get that kind of backing to mm -hmm. to make sure that they're on side with it or a system-wide that you've got the directors backing. and there are a lot of directors out there that really really want to support this get their ear and and work to make their job less onerous and help them to deal with the, the situations that we're all dealing with. I hope that you've heard some simple suggestions of what you can do to impact and affect restorative practices wherever you find yourself and that you can be invitational in doing that. I know that people in your school or your district will appreciate the opportunity to actually see this in action. It's when they see it, that becomes the convincer. It's like the proof is in the pudding idea. Learn more about how you can implement restorative practices, not only right where you work, but also in ways that impact others by going to www.restorative.ca. Or you can email me if you have any questions, stan at restorative.ca. And let's keep inviting people into our restorative conversations. <music>